coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. A lot going on in the NFL in this offseason. One of the busiest off-seasons I can ever remember. We've got changes in Denver, changes in Indianapolis, quarterbacks flying left, right, and center, and a whole lot to break down. We aren't going to talk about any of it. If you want to talk about weekly dynasty advice, I advise you check out the weekly grind, the weekly dynasty grind that I do with Zach Reed and D- Dynasty Outhouse, Russ Fisher, live on Facebook and Twitch and YouTube every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Crossroads, we've always tried to stay more holistic, and it's the off-season, and we're busy breaking down the process, trying to nail in the things we think are most and least likely to happen in the 2022 season, preferably before the draft, so we can we can incorporate what we can expect from rookies into that understanding by the time the draft happens. So, that's what I've been talking about most in the Discord and on Twitter and on YouTube lately. And uh, that's what we're going to do here. Some interesting discussions came up around how to search out and w- for breakouts and which breakouts are the most interesting or best to even try to find. And I'm going to just leave you some notes, things that I've learned, things that I've updated and where I'm at in the process right now. So I uh, hope you've got time for that. I hope you find some of it interesting. Going to try and drop a few uh, trade and 2022 takes in here, obviously, but that's the subject. Anyway, this has been a long intro, so let's get to it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those. Skeptical of status quo, lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat. When the mask's not adding up, you said I'm checking it out. I'm just working to the ground. All right, so did I forget to schedule an interview for this week, or did is there someone out there wait, wondering why I didn't send them a StreamYard link so we could do an interview? I honestly don't know. Um, true to form, like uh, I've got like three articles going, two videos due. Like I'm behind. I'm constantly behind. It feels like it's the off season. I meant to have just epic amounts of time, and instead I feel constantly pressured, which you know. There is no off-season, right? So let's get to it. So, yeah, lots lots of interesting conversations about dynasty and fantasy football, about value conversations, about why no one really appreciates Najee Harris as a dynasty running back too, in my opinion, right now. Um, 
<laughs> just dropping that one in there. Um, how everyone is feels somewhat over underwhelmed by the fact that Denver went out and did what they did when they got Peyton Manning and got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And there's not even an injury concern right now. And people are somewhat, I think it feels like in my little bubble, somewhat muted on it. Like we were more excited about the Stafford trade, but like, I don't know why. Um, so yeah, that's the thing that's going on. And in my Discord, I've got Connor LaPlant, uh, Plant, as in C-P-L-A-N-T underscore um, on Twitter telling me that he only wants top five upside. Um, me being me, I think I went a little hard at that conversation, but I came away with a lot to think about because um, I was in the middle of talking about re-going over the potential breakout process and I made a video and a thread or two on Twitter about it um, and he dropped it in the Discord that he is really interested in players with top five upside. And I gave my typical response and he came back with how difference-making those top five players are at each position and quoted stats about but we already like I think that's intuitive like having a top five player is a uniquely valuable um asset on a year-to-year basis like catching two or three of those studs basically is difference-making um or just two just can't just well just Cooper Cup this year could elevate a mid-level team into, you know, a high-level playoff team. Those guys really make a difference. And in the top five every year, pretty much the one and two performance, especially at wide receiver, is like a 10-year generational, 10-year generational as a word that's overused, performance. But like if you rank PPR performances over the last 10 years, pretty much the one and two wide receivers are like in the top five for the last 10 years. But that's every year. And obviously it updates as the seasons progress. But it's hard to predict that level of fantasy points because it's nowhere near a median. It's not really a reasonable expectation. And as I was talking about him with it in the Discord, again, probably went a little hard in the paint, but he held up well. And that's the kind of guy Connor is. He's he's interested in a pretty interesting discussion. He can hold his own. Um, and he gave me lots to think about. So I appreciate him for that. And... um. My general points are, look how random-seeming the top five players are. I mean, this year you've got Cooper Cup, who is being drafted in the wide receiver 30s. And in fact, this generally is a guy being drafted inside the wide, top 30 wide receivers in Dynasty, who ends up being that guy every year. Only two players repeat, on average, from one year to the next, inside the top five. So, like, a 20% repeat rate. Um, it, it's really slim. And those are the most like those are the guys we can definitely point to having some likelihood of getting in the top five. And we can only hit maybe two. Sometimes it's just one. And then you have a Cooper Cup every year and a Stefan Diggs the year before that. And this year, like a Jamar Chase, like I want to predict a rookie. Like that's the only guy you're interested in. That low level hit, like 15%. And no, sorry, that's running backs. If I remember right. At wide receiver, top five breakouts in your rookie year is like 5%. You have 5% of all top five breakouts at the wide receiver position. The rookie year only counts for 5% of them since forever, since 2000 all the way to 2021. So you want, like, oh, they're really hard to hit. They're a, it's such a small target 
that it appears to be random and not that it is there are things that can make players more or less likely but you're aiming at such a small target my general my general idea on it was you're asking to miss um like a top 12 season is fine if we can get an actual good signal that makes us hit top 12 players or even top 24 players where it's still you know reasonably hard to hit but the soft landings and we can find things that make us more likely to find those players like why would you limit yourself to top five just because the outcome is ultimately what we want. Some of those likely to be top 24 players like Cooper Cup, like we liked last year, and Debo Samuel that we liked last year, Marcus Brown that we liked last year, because of my general aim for a slightly broader target with the potential of hitting those top five outcomes. Obviously, Marcus Brown didn't get it. He just about got inside of the top 24, I think. Cooper Cup, who I think I spoke about marginally and only mentioned within that group of having had a previous top five season before while talking with Zach Reed when I was interviewing him last off season, um, he, he, he was the guy, right? Whereas, uh, who else did I just mention that we like? Debo Samuel, we, we went hard in the paint all off season about that one and it worked. But like Cooper Cup was some, so much of an easier get because there was so much more, less noise around it. And that's a good year. That's a really good year for me. The idea that we would highlight those guys and they all hit to any different level. The idea we're only going to seek the ones that could potentially be top five. I don't think we would have had Marcus Brown in the conversation for top five upside. Or Debo Samuels. I did not have Debo Samuels in the conversation as players I was interested in because he had top five upside. It was just that it was undervalued. Undervalued especially Dynasty, where value is such a thing, it is such a, not a better way to play, but a safer way to play, that's a, that's a good standard, and then you know where and when you want to take shots, you take very few shots and you hit them at a high rate, that's my standard, conservative, very boring, nerdish way of trying to play Dynasty, um, but while talking with Connor, we got into a, what I felt like was probably too it was really early in the morning and i really do apologize to connor i was probably a little too dismissive while i was thinking about what he was saying because you know my general conversational tone on twitter and in discord is overly aggressive i want to disagree with you and hopefully you make me think about because i i'm actually taking in what you say instead of just being a guy telling you what is true because you know uh, i think we can learn from each other if we actually can have conversations but i find it fun to be a little bit of a dick let's face it but um uh, so um while talking about it we went through a lot of different subjects and we ended up and i think he's still come out in a slightly different place than me which is fine that's the whole point we meant to develop our own ideas and uh, i really think you should check him out by the way he's a very cool guy really fun to talk about uh, Dy dynasty football and fantasy football in general but also um his thoughts influence mine. That's why that's why I'm in these conversations. It's not just to teach everybody. That would be stupid and arrogant of me. It's more to learn and get better myself. And one of the things I took away while screenshotting various things back and forth with him um, in the Discord was if you're searching for top five upside, admitting that it's a fairly, fairly variable group and it's a small, um, small target to hit, you actually incorporate the majority of potential hits 
and actually find a pretty decent group. It's not that they have to hit top five upside, but while looking at who could potentially be top five upside, I think I improved my filtering system just by using career year and previous performance without even doing any fancy modeling or looking at who hits certain performance metrics to find some interesting numbers. So let me run you through some of that, because I realize I've been talking for a while now, and we haven't really got to any of that. So one of the things he was saying is, because I've mentioned it in the top five, top 12 wide receiver breakout video that I just did on YouTube, and that's just one small aspect of breakouts, right? We're zooming out a little bit to the broad category of breakouts at all positions. Um, specifically wondering if there's what does filtering for top five breakouts look at look like instead of those top 12 but what i talked about in the top 12 breakout video was players that break out in their third year the most common breakout year so really zooming into that year so whoever's entering their third year next year and because it's the most common breakout year for the top 12 and at the wide receiver position the majority that had not had a top 24 or top 36 season before they broke out in year three was actually the majority of the group something like um, I forget the exact numbers. Something like forty percent, um, of all players that break out in their third year have had a top thirty-six or top twenty-four season before they break out. So less than half, and more than half had not done that. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. It's actually an exercise I want to run a little later with some of these other numbers I'm going to talk about because someone else made a good point in the Discord, looking at what we were talking about. In the entirely opposite direction, I was like, you know what, that's a very good point. If you look at it from the opposite direction, it's also interesting, but I'll get back to that. Um, But the majority group, the 60%, let's say, of players who broke out for a top three season in their third year, uh, bearing in mind that that's uh, only uh, 32% of all top five breakouts. So we're narrowing down just to 30% of all breakouts that have happened into the top into the top. 12 and the majority of them hadn't had a top 36 or top 12 season before i know i said that already bear with me um but the majority of that group that hadn't had a fantasy relevant season basically before they broke into the top 12 didn't continue to have fantasy relevant seasons now there are a couple about three of those uh some whatever number of players 32 players or so again i went through this in the video um had fantasy relevant seasons after that and it was Devonte adams and it was damaris thomas and it was steve smith they're fairly irregular breakouts to only have um uh, a top 24 season in this case top five season in the third year and then continue to be you know everything Devonte adams is right now the majority that waited that long to break out to any level and actually ended up in the top five kind of struggled and it's not that they didn't produce any fantasy relevance and you know it's not that i'd be unhappy to um have any of them my dynasty team it's just that they weren't exactly the golden goose of the top five breakout group whereas if you looked at the other side of the coin players that had had fantasy relevant seasons before the majority of that group continued to have fantasy success and bear in mind we only look at 30 percent of top 12 breakouts um, in their third year. So there are many more things to spot about top 12 breakouts. It's just an example of how the logic Connor was applying was something I'd looked at, but I was using it much more broadly, like the majority of the group, but it still doesn't mean they're dismissible. doesn't mean I don't want to track players that could potentially enter the top 12 just because it's their third year, but some level of production does indicate they're more likely to have continued fantasy success. 
And I thought that was interesting. So what we were doing in screenshot by screenshot was trying to apply how many of these filters we could do for it if we really shot for top five upside. And what I found was that 81% of all players who have ever broken out into the top five had at least a top 36 season before they did so. Now that's talking about all career year breakouts. So players who broke into the top five in the first year, well, the second year, the third year, the fourth year, fifth year. And, you know, players have broken into the top five for the first time all the way and down to career year eight, I think it was. So there was one player that broke into the top five in year eight. I'd have to go looking for that name, but I'm assuming it's, you know, no, no one you care about. Um, but 81% of them, of all those breakouts, at least had a top 36 season. So just by using that boundary, no matter what career year of player you're looking at, by shooting for top five upside, technically, you can highlight that a player has something in common with 80% of all breakouts who had that highest level of upside. And that was interesting, I thought. Um, now, again, Connor went off in his own process. I don't know where he's going to land. It'll be interesting to find out. Um, but he went on to how many of them had multiple top 36 seasons and multiple top 24. And I think, from my own way of looking at things, I think that's relying too much on my assumptions and my knowledge of each individual player. And we'll get back to that in a second as well. But I think these boundaries that we use, like top 12 and top 36, are really synonyms for having done well. And I think any signal a player has performed well in the NFL could also be taken as a supplement for having had a certain number of seasons. Now, that's where we get dangerous when we start making more assumptions about what is doing well. Is it yards per route run? Is it yards per team pass attempt? What about this efficiency over here? But I think there is value in having an offset group, not potential or likely breakouts, but unlikely breakouts, ones that don't follow those having had a top 36 season, but do account for 20% of all top five breakouts, and top five breakouts are a thing we don't want to be entirely dismissive. Now, as I said in the top 12 video and the thread on Twitter, it's impossible, well, it's not impossible, it's very possible, but it's not very useful to make a list of all players who haven't had a top 36 season yet and say, you know, some of those are going to break out into the top five because basically that's every other player. But we can make lists of players who have done that and it actually makes a relatively short list, especially since we can then put next to them the percentage of hits that happen in their particular career year. And so I've reinvented, not reinvented, but I've altered my seeking potential breakouts um, a little bit based on the conversation I had with Connor, and I thought it was fairly interesting. But I thought you guys might be interested to know what those look like across the different positions into these different hit rate groups. And this is all career years, whether they break out in year two, year three, year four. So what I found is eight, the 80% number is pretty consistent across all positions. If you're looking for players that are going to break out into the top five, at least 80% of them at tight end, wide receiver, and quarterback had had a top 36 season previously. Now, again, there's that small group of players who have not. Um, and so that doesn't mean you have to be overly dismissive of someone like Marcus Mariota, who's suddenly interesting because he's signing with the uh, Atlanta Falcons now that Matt Ryan's a Colt, which we're not talking about today. Weekly grind. I mentioned it in the intro. Um, and uh, other players who haven't, but it does mean they are certainly not, they don't have one of this huge indicator. Um, 
Now, interestingly, running backs, only 68% of them had had a top 36 season before breaking out into the top five in any particular career year, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Running back comes in at the lowest had a previous top 36 season before breaking out. All the thresholds, top 12 and top 24, are the same way. Running backs have the fewest indicator in terms of position rank finishes previously to having broken out. Now, part of that is the most common breakout year for running back pretty much across all these uh, categories is, in fact, um, their second year. So, one, you've got a slower lead-up, and where running back is um, a position entirely dominated by opportunity or more dominated by opportunity in that there are only so many running backs on the field at any one time, and that they are more at the whim of the offensive scheme call than a wide receiver who could be on the field and earn to a greater extent, the the targets to create points and therefore a greater opportunity for themselves. At least that's the way I frame it for myself. Um, I think those things add up to why running backs, only 68% of them are break into the top five, have had a top 36 season before. So close to 30% of players who break into the top five have never had a top 36 season before. Literally, they've done nothing. That might be interested to those seeking out the Enum you know, Benjamin shares this year. Again, that's tantamount to making a list of every player who's never had any fantasy success or any performance success yet and saying they could be one of these 30%. Yes, but there's no real way of detailing which ones are more or less likely outside of what you think of that individual various performance, individual players' performance, and that brings in all that potential assumption of variance and stuff we might get wrong and then reality might disagree with us anyway. But it is interesting to think about that running back is less consistent in terms of previous production patterns at both the top 5, the top 12, and the top 24 breakout thresholds. Now, the numbers for the top 12 breakout, so players who break into the top 12 for the first time, the number drops from about 80% consistently across the other positions to 60%. Except for tight end, where 70% of tight ends who break into the top 12 for the first time have had at least a top 36 season previously. And so that, I think that's fairly interesting as well, that tight end leads the pack of players who are more likely to break into the top 12 have previously had somewhat more higher fantasy finishes, but that also might lean into the fact that there are fewer tight ends scoring. It's kind of easier to get into the top 36 of tight ends than the top 36 of wide receivers just because the amount of competition for that PPR rank right still at least drops from 80 to 60 percent so if you're seeking top 12 breakouts and just looking at top 36 seasons you're actually limiting the pool of players um, in terms of the potential breakout pool you might create so in fact by seeking the top five ultimate upside you're actually incorporating more of players that might be likely to break out despite the fact you're filtering for things that higher upside players actually have in common and that kind of twists my brain around a little bit to be honest top 24 it's the same way 30% of quarterbacks 30% of wide receivers have had a top 36 season before their top 24 finish and again part of this is because these uh, these lower breakout thresholds, the top 24 and the top 12, not that the top 12 is particularly low, but they tend to happen earlier in a player's career. And that's true at running back particularly, but it's also true of wide receiver. To run you back over the breakout thresholds, at wide receiver, the most common year a player breaks out into the top 36 is year two. 
It's also the most common year that players break out into the top 24, but players are actually more likely to break out into the top 36 in year one. Um, in year one, 27% of all breakouts have happened, whereas only 19% of all top 24 breakouts have happened in year one. When you get into year two, about 30 to 31% of breakouts happen in their second career year in the top 24 or top 36. By year three, it's the most common top 12 breakout year. Um, it's all, and year three is also the most common top five breakout year at wide receiver. So you see this growth where you would expect, and that's why I thought the top 12 pattern was interesting, players get increasingly more productive throughout the first three years if they are good. But then when we broke into the top 12, we actually found that more players are breaking out in that uh, top five in that top 12 group without previously having had a top 36 season but the best or the easy the best hit rate group if you like of those top five 12 breakouts the ones who for the most part continue to have fantasy success had been these players who progressed into a top 12 breakout by their third year but that doesn't mean that those who hadn't yet broken out into the top 24 might not break out into the top 12, because in fact the majority who break out into the top 12 by in year 3 have done so without breaking out into the top 24 yet. And I know talking about a breakout thresholds in a podcast is somewhat difficult, but hopefully you're garnering some of this. That players get more productive throughout their first three years, and if players don't have... And particularly good production through year one and two. It doesn't necessarily limit them from the breakout group if you still believe in their overall performance through some other measure of how well they perform, whether it's yards per out run or anything else, but it does make them less likely to be the ones who continue to produce fantasy relevant seasons after that breakout if it occurs by year three, which just adds further proof to the notion that year two is really the golden year for wide receiver, not the mythical third year breakout that we used to chase some five, six, seven years ago or so. We really want those second year breakouts, and it's okay if they break out into the top 24, because that still shows a progression into that top 12 breakout that we hope is coming. Now that's interesting, especially when you consider C.D. Lamb, who currently hasn't broken into the top 12, but has broken out into the top 24 already. And when you compare him to other players who might not necessarily have broken into those thresholds, but could easily do it in year three. And this is where we get back to Jerry Judy, who I've kind of mentioned Denver a few times here. But I think it's really interesting because his, his individual performance looks fairly good he's good in yards per route run i don't need to quote those numbers to you or anything else um because you don't care or you could look him up but yeah his performance looks good but his situation looks poor he has had some injuries and he has never finished inside the top 36 but i can't find anyone to say his performance either on tape and i can't find anything in his performance metrics that suggest he himself is a bad player it's just been a rough situation Tim Patrick has out been targeting Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy at different points. They have never had a great quarterback situation and now have an amazing quarterback situation, hopefully, uh, with the signing of Russell Wilson. And so Jerry Judy, for me, going into 2022, looks like one of those players who could break out next year. And that's interesting because he would be in an off-group group, right? He does not fit the pattern or the patterns or trends we're talking about in that he is less likely to break out next year but we've seen a radical team situational change which isn't incorporated when we were just looking at these career breakout rates 
and we don't think the player himself has particularly underperformed. If healthy, I think he could have a really interesting um, third year in 2022. I would say I've made trade offers on Jerry Judy, and he's one of those players where his ADP has dropped, but I don't think his trade value has dropped. He's pretty much valued around Marcus Brown, which one, tells you how undervalued Marcus Brown is, but two, tells you that despite Judy's ADP drop, you still kind of have to pay first-round value. It takes a first-round pick to really get a hold of him. I haven't had any luck trading a one pick and a player to add up first-round value. People want a shiny thing, something they're excited about. They're not looking to get away from Jerry Judy. Um, but that's in my leagues, and not to insult anyone else's leagues, but there's no one in my league that doesn't either do exactly what I do or know exactly what I know. There are no casual players. There's no one who makes... There's very rarely a player who'll make an impassioned decision just because. So they're not willing to give up the potential of Jerry Judy's value. They'd rather hold and wait to see for the most part. Not that that's a smarter or better dynasty strategy, but that's what's going on in my leagues. If if the person who has Jerry Judy in your league is just tired of waiting, then you might find better value. But with the recent Russell Wilson trade... Maybe not, but he is someone worth, really worth interesting investigating. Now, an earlier breakout, talking about these uh, common breakouts, might be one of the other players I've recently put on the trade target list, and I have had some luck adding him to some of my teams, just the value of a second-round pick, is Rondo Moore. Again, he would strongly be someone who is outside of these breakout potential breakout pools because he underperformed in year one didn't break into the top 36 and overall looks like he's on a bad career trajectory this isn't the Tyler Boyd the market is overcorrecting for a player actually performed well this is me trying to navel gaze a little bit and say his season wasn't that bad it was borderline it was borderline bad for a rookie and there is significant situational change going on into the next into 2022, I think, to some extent, in terms of opportunity and players moving on and off the depth chart. And Rondo Moore hadn't played football for two, four years by the time he was drafted because of some injury situations and then COVID. And so I'm okay with maybe glancing at his rookie season and saying it was okay and he was shaking some rust off and trying to elevate to a higher level. I'm okay with that risk at second round pick value. And the other interesting thing with him is that you can get him at second round pick value like in my leagues. So uh, I think he's worth investing in um, and certainly investing trades in the same way Jerry Judy is. But it's worth noting that he is one of these players where I'm trying to take a shot knowing it's a lower likelihood shot, but it's one I'm interested in taking. Now, um, to get back to the other thing that uh, someone mentioned in Discord, while well, me and Connor were going back and forward over this, it was a very simple comment, but he looked at what we were talking about and came away with the exact opposite um, takeaway. And it was a fairly simple statement by Eric. I don't know. I don't know. Connor's out here trying to add content and value so i'm pretty sure he's okay with me shouting them out on the podcast but i'm not sure eric is doing that so i don't want to give his stuff but he's a really cool guy he's often talking in the discord and really enjoy talking with him but his comment was simply i'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that a third of top 12 breakouts didn't have a top 36 finish that feels crazy one, Eric probably said that better than I have through a video and a, and a, and a Twitter thread and a YouTube video and now this podcast. That's putting it really simply and succinctly and I wish he'd come on and just 
narrate my thoughts for me because that was cleanly put eric good point but you see how he's coming in from the opposite angle like instead of focusing on you know the 75 percent of players who have had a top 12 season having a top 36 season and saying look at that look how common that is for top five breakouts instead what he notices that a third of players who break out into the top 12 had not done that and that's what struck him and I felt like that's a really interesting observation and one of the things that makes me okay with occasionally not every year but occasionally taking a shot and that unlikely player because there's high upside, especially when there's a value decrease. This is like uncomfortably something that I kind of mentioned, but I definitely don't want like this isn't a thing I'm doing. But like Terrace Marshall's value right now is just dirt. It's it's less than Rondo Moore. People are looking to get out. Now every trade I've seen happen in my leagues, I kinda being too smart for their own good but they're getting good value they're they're having someone pay off the bet that didn't work but if you can actually get him essentially they're adding Terrence Marshall to a second round pick and actually getting significant a significant player a significant pick back but if you're giving almost nothing like literally a third round pick or the equivalent of it or a flyer or someone else's favorite sleeper I think there's I mean if you like something about Terrence Marshall before this point Now's a good time to try it because, again, as Eric says, literally a third of players who break out into the top 12 have never had a top 36 season before. Now, because that's such a small percentage and I'm such a nerd, I only am interested in that group if there's a value decrease, which is why I so far haven't been able to get Judy on my roster. Like, the best trade I got offered um, was from Matt Price, the the dynasty zookeeper um check him out on game night and everywhere else he podcasts he's awesome and in one of my leagues i'm in with him he basic the trade would have been cd lamb for jerry judy in two seconds one this year and one next year and that's just not really enough for me that's too risky when i know jerry judy has to hit this you know only a third of players ever go on to have a top 12 season or have a top 12 season without previously having a top 36 season and everything notwithstanding, this drastic situational change, the fact that Russell Wilson is infinitely better situation instantly for Mr. Judy, and the fact that he has performed well tells me that he should do better, but I'm a stickler for my process, and I know he's in that one-third group. But I just like the way Eric said that, because I'm emphasizing the importance of that 70 to 80% hit group, or that 60% hit group in the top 12, and what struck him was that not insignificant group of breakouts that third of players who break out without ever having even finished in the top 36 before and so i kind of wanted to emphasize eric's point here because i am always hammering in the better odds pick but it's okay to take your shots and in fact i wouldn't i've had most of my fun there and i think judy and rondell Moore for me offer those lower odds hits but they're interesting and if i get them at decrease value or if they do not cost a full first round pick to take that shot i think they're really interesting this off season anyway i've probably talked long enough about this but if you're interested in seeing those again i'll put the these the link to the twitter thread where i link to everything else here if you want to see the screenshots if you want to see the data most of it's linked to my pa- patreon and twitter and pin tweets and twitter pin patreon posts which are free and you can set through most of the basic nfl data or even just the rookie and um, college data to see most of where the breakout rates happen 
in some of those hidden tabs. And yeah, I've definitely probably bored you too much talking about the that these particular tables. But I think I really do think I'm altering the way I produce that potential breakout list so I can solidify players that I think are undervalued in that off group and I think having that off group is important if if there is a decrease in value that interesting to me and um, to take a shot at every now and again hopefully going to try and hit at a high rate um, and players who are more likely to break out and then there's a list of players who have already done it which is where me and Connor started talking about because so many of those guys who have a top five season already are already so expensive, but there are a few who have dropped off and that's where they enter that, you know, that Jerry Judy, Ronda Moore on Team Old Guy list. Like Landry right now is dirt cheap and Tyler Boyd is dirt cheap, although he doesn't have that top five outside for Connor. And that's part of the discussion we were having as well. Like I don't mind falling values like Brandon Cooks some people really like him on that list as well. Um, so yeah, anyway, let me know what you think. Let me know who you think is in your off group. Those who are less likely, but if you're getting them at, you know, a discount, quote unquote, if you're getting them for a second round pick or less, I think anything's worth a shot. And if you've seen some positives, like that's the value line for me to take a shot at someone who is less likely because they don't hit these common thresholds for players that go on to have breakout seasons and uh anyway there you go there's two names from me uh that i think i'm interested in even though i think they're less likely i think i've seen enough to squint at it and talk myself into it um yeah anyway uh thanks very much uh talk to you again next week hopefully maybe with guest or i'll find the guest that was meant to be on this week that i forgot about that'd be cool um yeah thanks very much and i'll talk to you next week yeah Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.